This is the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast, coming to you from the heart of Honolulu, Hawaii. Hui Kala is a dynamic family of faith committed to solid Bible teaching, discipleship, and helping you grow in your faith. Grab your Bible and prepare to dig deep into the Word with Pastor Anthony King. All right, grab your Bible, turn to the book of Galatians, if you would, tonight, if you need a Bible, a bulletin, or a pen, we have ushers coming your way uh, to hook you up with that. If you've got your Bibles ready, go to the book of Galatians. Uh, we're getting into Galatians chapter 5 tonight. Um, Galatians only has six chapters, which means we're coming down to the end of it. Um, Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, not what we're covering tonight, but two of, I believe, the most helpful verses in all the New Testament for finding out how we're doing spiritually, uh, verses you should commit to memory, verses you should uh, have... Circle, start, underline your Bible, the fruit of the Spirit. I love that. Um, we'll get to that in a few weeks. Uh, but before that, we're going to jump into Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse number 1 tonight. If you missed any messages so far, you can always get caught up on our website. We're about 21 messages deep uh, through the book of Galatians, so you got a little bit of catching up to do, but uh, I know it'll be helpful to you. Hopefully, hopefully this, this has been helpful not only from a, um, a teaching perspective, understanding the difference between the law uh, and grace, or understanding the difference between law, uh, the works uh, and God's grace that he gives us, but also uh, practically that we can take these and apply these. And I hope tonight's message is practical in nature to you. Galatians chapter 5, uh, starting in uh, verse number 1, again, just for context, Paul's writing for to the churches at Galatia that have uh, had some folks come in known as the Judaizers who uh, have messed up the gospel. Uh, the gospel says Jesus Christ died for your sins. Faith in him is all that you need for salvation. Uh, but these Judaizers had come in and said, faith in Jesus is good, but to complete the package, you have to follow the uh, Levitical law. You have to ha- have circumcision. You have to celebrate the feast days and things along those lines. And Paul writes to say, nope, it's only Jesus and Jesus alone that can save you. And so tonight we're taking a look at uh, Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse number 1. I've entitled tonight's message, The Dangers of Legalism. And we'll take a look at what legalism is as we unpack uh, the message tonight. Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse number 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Important to remember, Christianity brings freedom Salvation brings freedom. It doesn't bring another sort of bondage. So many times when people are newer Christians or they're exploring the Christian faith, they say, well, the Christian life just sounds like a bunch of thou shalt not. There's a bunch of stuff that you can't do. Or if I decide to follow Jesus, tell me all the stuff that I can't do again. Um, as if Jesus is, um, uh, wants to restrict your life. Uh, the Christian life brings freedom from the entanglements of this world. And people often miss that. Uh, the Judaizers had brought a different type of entanglement uh, and a different type of bondage back to the freedom that we have in Christ. Verse number two, behold, I, Paul, say unto you, that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. And we'll take a look at that phrase, fallen from grace, and talk about what it means and what it does not mean in just a moment. For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. It's important to understand here that the uh, Judaizers had brought in this idea of legalism with them. It was the idea that uh, these works would make your salvation complete. You could not be saved apart from uh, these works that you have to do in your flesh. Legalism 
has crept into many churches in our society today, maybe not so much by salvation by works, but with the idea that if you're a real Christian, you'll do these types of things, and if you don't follow this list of unwritten rules that we have, then you're probably not a, a real Christian or definitely not a good Christian, and it's a legalism in a different type of uh, sense. It's important to understand that our faith should inform our actions. Your actions will be different based on what you truly believe. If you truly believe that God expects holiness and righteousness from you and you really believe that, that'll change the way that you live each and every day. Christians who live free from their sin yet continue in their sin don't really have their faith in the right place. So our faith will inform our actions, no doubt about it. What you believe determines what you do. And if I believe that God expects holiness and righteousness from me, I will live in a way that is holy and righteous as well. See, Christians should live differently based on the object of our, work, of our worship and the price that was paid for our salvation. Again, Christians don't have a list of, of here's the things that you can do and here's the things that you can't do now. That would be to create another law, which is what Jesus Christ has set us free from. I've shared the gospel people before, and I said, well, if I, if I accept Christ and get to salvation, what do I have to give up? And I always, all, questions like that always make me feel uncomfortable, as if uh, Jesus is some type of fad diet. It's like, okay, if I decide that I want to eat on this particular diet, what do I have to give up? Can I have pizza? Can I have bread? Can I have, and it's like, well, Jesus is not a, a list of things that you can and can't have. Jesus, Jesus is freedom from sin. To choose to follow Jesus, I have to turn from my sin. That word turn from is the word repent. It means I change my mind, which changes my heart, which changes my actions. I have to repent. And so if my actions change, they should change because of who I worship. If my actions change, they should change because such a high price has been paid for my salvation. My actions don't change because I started going to church. My actions don't change because the group of people that I hang out with don't do these types of things. That's a terrible reason to stop doing anything. And again, if you join a group and you adopt their lifestyle and their culture just to fit in, yet you don't subscribe to their belief system, you've not joined a Christian community, you've joined a cult. Cults say you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this, you can't do that, uh, and we're not gonna tell you why, just do it. That's not what Christianity is about all the, at all. Now, again, there are things in our life that should change. I cannot continue in my sin, yet call myself a Christian. I cannot continue to be in love with my sin and yet at the same time in love with Jesus Christ. It doesn't work that way. But if there's changes that take place in my life, the changes take place not because somebody handed me a list of rules, but because I truly want to please and honor the one who's the object of our worship. By definition, legalism is a religious legalism, focuses on obedience to laws or moral codes based on the misguided assumption that such obedience is a means of gaining divine favor. The Judaizers in this case had brought legalism into the church. They'd said, hey, it's good that you follow Jesus. You're followers of Jesus now, but you have to follow all of these rules of the Old Testament as well. You gotta keep all the feast days. You gotta circumcise uh, your boys. You gotta follow all these traditions that we've had in times past. Well, well, we're Gentiles. It doesn't matter if you're Gentiles or not. You have to follow this rule. And they, they brought in their own list of rules to put on top of the grace that was given through Jesus Christ. We would call that legalism. 
Now, that type of legalism generally doesn't exist, and I say generally because it does in some churches uh, where they say it's good that you're following Jesus, so now you have to be baptized to be saved. It's good that you're following Jesus, but you must follow all these other rules to make sure that you're saved. That would be a form of legalism. But what I find often in Bible-believing, Bible-preaching churches is they create a separate set of unwritten rules of things you can and can't do uh, to say that if you're a really good Christian, you should do these things. That's just another form of legalism whereby we want to adhere to this list of rules so that we can please God or so that we can get something from God. Again, when we follow God only because of what he can give to me, we see God as just an idol giver. Hey, I want my life to be holy and righteous before God because it pleases and honors him, not because I'm trying to get something from him. I want to live my life in a holy and righteous way, not because I'm trying to fit in with you guys or I want you guys to look at me as a decent Christian. I want to follow these rules and guidelines that I have set up for myself because I want to please and honor Jesus because he paid a high, high price for my salvation. Legalism comes in when we have this list of rules that we uh, say that people must follow to, to earn God's favor. Now, I believe for us as Bible-believing Christians, we should have standards in place for what we'll allow and what we won't allow. If I'm around people that use the Lord's name in vain, I'll ask them politely to not use the Lord's name in vain. That's just a standard that I have set that I don't want to hear that. I don't want to be around that. And so I kindly ask people, hey, if you wouldn't use the Lord's name like that, I would greatly appreciate that. That's a standard that I have set. If you don't follow that same guideline, that doesn't mean you're a bad Christian or I think poorly of you. It's just what I choose to do. For our family, we have made a rule in our home. We don't allow R-rated movies at all, period, under any circumstances whatsoever. Not gonna do it. We don't need to listen to foul language. We don't need to look at nudity. We don't need sexual connotations. Uh, we don't, don't need gross excess violence for the sake of gross excess violence. We just don't need those things. So we've made a decision in our home, those things just aren't allowed. Now, if we have a rule as a church that nobody in this church watches R-rated movies, we've created a form of legalism. But for our family, we have a standard set that keeps us from sin that works for us. The problem comes when we begin to take our own personal standards that we have and project them on other people. I have good friends, good friends that love the Lord who don't have a television in their home, period. They said, we don't need it, we don't want it. Too much temptation there, too much junk there. We just will not have a TV in our, in our home. And I applaud them for that, I really do, man. Praise God that you have a way in your home that you wanna protect your home from sin. The problem comes when you say, no Christian should own a TV, and if you own a TV, you're not a good Christian. That becomes its own form of legalism. And again, I've been in churches before where they have a list of uh, generally unwritten rules uh, of things that you do and you don't, you don't say or do. I've known churches before where uh, ladies should wear uh, either nude nail polish or no type of, new, of, of nail polish because colors are flashy. Uh, and it's just like, okay, that's strange. Uh, Vanderlei had a, or I'm sorry, Thatcher, I had a teacher in high school uh, who said in front of the classroom, if men wear beards, it's because they're full of pride and they want attention. Do you remember that Jesus had a beard? <laughs> like, did, did that thought cross your mind for a split second before you said that? <laughs> and everybody's looking around at all the guys with beards tonight going, you are so full of pride, man. But it's, it's things like that that people, it's, it's funny until it's not. Um, it's things like that that people come up with here. It's like, wait a minute, that like, where do you even come up with stuff like that? Um, you know, I've, I've heard somebody say before, uh, you know, no Christian should drive a car over X amount of dollars. Who sets the threshold for that? 
And, and what is X amount of dollars and where do you find that? Again, now we've gone into a, an area where we don't just want to please and honor the Lord. We want to set extra biblical guidelines and rules. And that's a form of legalism. Now, there's a ditch on both sides of the road. On one side is the ditch of legalism. On the other side of the road is what's known as antinomianism. Antinomianism is the position that Christians are not bound by any law, whether related to religious practice or ethical behavior. This view may include the idea that salvation and freedom from the law permit believers to sin without consequence. This goes to the other side. Hey, God forgives sin, and that's what grace is for. And if you're living in sin, it's not that big of a deal. That's what grace is for. Hey, if, if, if God created you with, with warts and all, and, and God knows that you're a flawed human being and he just loves you and accepts you the way that you are. And if you sin, just know you're part of, a part of everybody who's just trying to do their best. God doesn't judge you for that. Oh, time out on that. Antinomianism literally means without a law. And so one side says, we've got a list of extra biblical rules to make sure that you stay far from sin. And there's a group of folks in the New Testament that were very heavy on that. And they were known as... Pharisees, and Jesus rebuked them time and time and time again. And you have on the flip side these guys over here who say, sin all you want, that's what grace is for. There's even a, a movement now of pastors who have fallen into sin, who have lost their churches, lost their marriages due to sexual immorality, due to alcoholism, due to financial impropriety. They now are starting churches with names like Second Chance Church for people who have blown it and, and need a second chance hey, you're, you're making a mockery of the grace of God. And just know, if you're a pastor who falls into gross, egregious sin, according to 1 Timothy chapter 3, you're not qualified to pastor ever again. Period. End of story. But now we have churches that are celebrating the sinfulness and how God's grace is greater than sinful. Look, this person who's a gross, egregious sinner and God forgave them, what can he do for you? We, we misunderstand the grace of God when we do that. So there is the road, which is the grace of God. And on one side of the grace of God is the ditch of legalism. On the other side is the ditch of antinomianism. We need to make sure that we stay in the grace of God and reject any form of legalism and definitely antinomianism. Hopefully you're understanding as we're going through uh, understanding the punishment of God for, on sin this morning. Tomorrow, uh, next week, we're gonna take a look at the consequences of sin from Hebrews 12. Then we're gonna take a look at, I'm sorry, the chastisement for sin from Hebrews 12. Then we're gonna take a look at the consequences of sin. Hopefully you're understanding that we can't just continue to sin and God just glosses over it like it never happened. God has to enact his judgment, his chastisement upon sin. And I want you to have a heart that you want to stay from sin. You need personal guidelines in your, your own life. For me, I won't be alone with the person of the opposite sex ever under any circumstances. If a lady needs to come in for counseling, I'll have somebody in the room with me while I'm, I'm talking with her about her problems. Generally, my wife or another uh, lady or another person in the room. I don't want to be alone with a person of the opposite sex ever under any circumstances. Why? I'm trying to protect my testimony, the testimony in this church, and protect against any type of allegations whatsoever. Now, that's a personal conviction that I have, guidelines that we have set. And we need to think through things like that as Christians. I don't want anybody to ever have any type of, uh, of claim come against me that would cause harm to my testimony or the testimony of Jesus Christ. That's good. The problem is when we, when we come up with a list of rules that other people need to follow to be good Christians, that becomes legalism. And we need to guard against it. 
So take a look at this passage here tonight, starting in verse number one. We see that Jesus brings us freedom, not a new kind of slavery. We'll see later in this, this chapter, I love this, that we have a new liberty, but we shouldn't use our liberty as the occasion for the flesh, but by love to serve one another. We'll get into that next week or week after next. Take a look at verse number one. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty, the freedom, or with Christ has made us free and not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Hey, you've been set free from bondage. You got set free from your sin. Don't go back to another type of bondage. Jesus didn't come to restrict you further. Oh, you were free in sin and now you're restricted in Jesus. That's how the world views Christianity. Oh no, friends. I was in bondage to my sin. I was a slave to my sin and I was set free from that, never to have to go to it ever again. And now I'm free in Jesus Christ. Well, I guess Christians don't get to drink, do they? <laughs> Christians don't have to drink to have a good time. I had a guy one time tell me, he's like, he's like, do you drink? And I said, no, I don't. And he said, why? And I said, for a multitude of reasons, primarily I'm a Christian, but secondly, I don't trust myself. Uh, I don't trust the devil. And I have a long history in my family of alcoholism. So there's a multitude of reasons. I don't drink that primarily because I'm a Christian. And he says, I wish I could do that. I go, what? He goes, not drink. You can. He goes, I honestly, he said, I've drank for so long. I don't know how to have a good time without drinking. He goes, I just, I just don't. And so he said, I wish I could be like you. And I said, well, I've got my own problems. I said, but, but drinking alcohol is not one of them. And he said, well, I don't, don't know if I could ever become a Christian because I don't know if I could ever give up drinking. Mm, careful with that, my man. But for some people, they view Christianity as, well, if I become a Christian, I can't drink then. And it becomes a, thing, a list of things that you can't do. But Jesus didn't come to bring a different type of bondage. Jesus came to bring freedom. I'm no longer held down by the things that held me down before. You see, our desire for righteousness and holiness must be fueled by our desire for Christ-likeness. I want to be righteous and holy because I want to be like Jesus, not because I want to fit in with the crowd or not because I want to, you to think that I'm something that I'm not. It was primarily the Pharisees' problem. They had, uh, would go out and pray in public so that people would, would see uh, the things that they would do. They would go through the market wearing these uh, large, uh, ornate types of, uh, of outer, outer wear and outer garments that they would wear to show how holy they were, show how great they were. And Jesus rebuked them and said, hey, you look great on the outside, but you're full of dead men's bones on the inside. They wanted a form of righteousness or a... a a shell of holiness to gain followers to themselves. It's not a wrong thing to desire holiness. It's not a wrong thing to desire righteousness. The question is why? The right answer is because I want to be like Jesus. I've seen people before who've come to churches before and they try to copy what everybody else does. They try to do what everybody else does. They try to wear the same clothes as everybody else. Hey, what kind of Bible do you have? I'm gonna buy that brand of Bible this week. Hey, uh, you know, uh, what do you do for fun? I'm gonna start doing that now. You golf, I've never golfed before, but I'm gonna start because I guess that's what Christians do. And it's just like, hey, 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 hang on to that. You don't have to copy what everybody else is doing. You just have to follow Jesus. Simple as that. And for, here's the great part about being a Christian is that, for every person, our journey is going to be a little bit different. Your journey to Christ-likeness is going to be different than mine. And we run into error when we try to hold other people to our standard of Christ-likeness in the way that we got there. Well, when I started following Jesus, I just dropped all my old friends and dropped everything that I had and just pursued Jesus full tilt. If that works for you, it may or may not work for another person. Everybody's journey to Christ-likeness is individual. It's unique. 
but my desire to walk in holiness and righteousness should be fueled by Christ-likeness, but also should be fueled by our love and adoration of Jesus. There's things in my life that I don't do because I want to honor and please the Lord. Me and uh, Vanderlei have been having some good discussions lately on the way to school. Uh, Vanderlei turns 18 in February. It's hard to believe uh, that my youngest son turns 18. I remember the day he was born. And when we go to school, he'll be say, he'll say, Dad, is it wrong to do X? And I said, man, that's a great question. Hey, Dad, is it wrong to go to a non-Christian concert? And that's a great question. Great question. How do we answer that? We need to have an answer for, for our kids. I want them to walk in Christ-likeness. Well, what kind of music is it? Is it music that honors and glorifies the Lord? Is it music that honors the flesh? Or is it neutral? Very, very few times today is music neutral. Is it wrong? Here's a, here's a good question we had this past week. Is it wrong to go to a Christian concert that is not worship, but is simply performance and entertainment? Hmm, that's a really good question. We, we chewed on that one for a while. Now, you say, well, what's the answer, Pastor? I'm not going to give it to you. You know why? Because that would be legalism. Everybody's got to come to that on their own. We had a really good discussion. But you know what I loved about it was his spirit. Is it wrong? Because I want to know if it's wrong or not. I want to know what the right thing to do is. And, and we as parents have to train our children, hey, here's this and here's why I wouldn't do it. Here's why I don't believe it would be right for a Christian to do this. Here's why I think it would be 100% acceptable for a Christian to do this. And I always struggle when people say, well, what does the church think about this? Well, the church is collectively a group of people. So the church generally has no consensus other than what the Bible says. If you're asking for your pastor's opinion, I'll be happy to give it to you based on scripture. But at the end of the day, I don't want you to do what we do because it's what our church does. It's what our pastor says. I want you to do it because you love Jesus and you want to honor and glorify him. I want to worship Jesus in everything that I do and that's why I make the decisions that I make. You see, if we can attain God's salvation by favor, or favor by good behavior, we no longer need Jesus. Verse number four, Paul says, Christ has become no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. You see, Paul's saying, hey, if you could get to heaven without the law, with just the law, by your good behavior and keeping the law, why don't we need Jesus? If you and I can just do stuff and then God gives us his favor, why do we need Jesus Christ? Why do we need the grace of God? Why do we need faith in Jesus? If we could do it on our own. Paul says, you made it no effect. And then he uses a term here that many people have misinterpreted, and he says, you've fallen from grace. Oftentimes, people that are uninformed when it comes to the Bible would think that word fallen from grace means that you've lost your salvation. Many people have heard somebody say before, oh, so-and-so, they've fallen from grace. That means they've fallen into gross, egregious sin, or they've denied their faith, or they've lost their salvation. Friend, I'm thankful to tell you tonight that once you are saved, you are sealed until the day of redemption by the Holy Spirit of God, and no one can take away your salvation, not even you, if you are truly saved, period. The word fallen from grace in this passage here is one who loses a grip on something. You see, if you're justified by your actions, you've lost your grip of the meaning of grace. That's what Paul's saying here. You've lost a grip. God's grace is slipping through your hands. You're giving it up willingly. 
You don't fully understand what grace is all about if you think you can be justified by your works. You've fallen from grace. Doesn't mean that you've lost your salvation because if you had your salvation, you can't lose it. You didn't do anything to get it. You can't do anything to lose it. But to be fallen from grace means you've lost your grip on the grace that was given to you. And when you and I think that our good works can please the Lord, we've lost a grip on the word grace. Now, some come to the conclusion here, again, misguided. Well, if my actions don't get me anything from God, then I can just do what I want, right? Nope. Again, it comes back to motives. Motives matter to God. If you're doing things to get stuff from God, then you've got a misinterpreted idea of serving God. If you're doing things because it helps you to fit in with the crowd better, you've misunderstood what it means to honor and please the Lord. But if you're doing what you're doing with a heart of love, worship, and adoration for God, whether I get anything back from it or not, I've gotten far more from God than I've ever deserved. This is why I serve God. Then I fully understand what grace is about. I'm not doing what I'm doing because I wanna be saved. I'm not doing what I'm doing in hopes that I'll, I'll earn some feather in my cap when I get to heaven. I'm doing what I do because I want to please and honor the Lord in every way. Take a look at verse number six. He says, for in Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith, which worketh by love. You see, even our good works are useless unless motivated by our love for Jesus. Did you know that you can do the right things with the wrong motives and God's not pleased? As you read through the Old Testament, you'll find a time where the children of Israel came for a fast before God. They said, hey, nobody's gonna eat, nobody. And God says, stop fasting. I don't wanna see your fasting. I don't wanna see your prayers. You've sinned against me and you need to make it right. Well, they were doing good stuff, but with the wrong motives. The times where the children of Israel did stuff for God because they wanted to get stuff from God. Wrong motives, God's not pleased by that. Read the book of Malachi. They were offering animals for sacrifice that were about to die, lame, missing eyes. Oh, here, let's give this to God because God doesn't need it. What's he gonna use it for? He's just gonna kill it anyways, right? And God says, hey, keep your offerings. I don't need it. I don't want it. God goes on to say, if I needed something, do you think I'd ask you? I don't need anything from you. I want your worship. I want your heart. I want your love. I want your adoration. I believe there's people who put money in the, the offering basket, hopefully not at this church, and think to themselves, well, if I give this 20 bucks, I'm hoping God will bless me this week. Oh, uh -uh. You misunderstand how God works. And let me ask you this. What are you gonna buy for 20 bucks? What are you gonna get from God for $20? If that's your heart and your mind behind it. You think that God can be bought off? You think that God's so broke that $20 impresses him? But if I take... $2, let's say my last $2 to my name. I say, God, I don't know how I'm gonna make it through this week, but I trust you and I'm giving you all that I have in worship and adoration and in faith today. You know, I believe God says, got you, on it. You know why? Because Jesus saw the widow put in her might. And he says, hey guys, she's given more than everybody here today because she gave everything that she had. And so again, motives matter to God. And I can do the right things with the wrong motives and God's not pleased. Hey, you can uh, enroll in discipleship. 
good thing, right? I think I've already agreed, being in discipleship and learning more about the Bible is good. But what if your reason for enrolling in discipleship is so that everybody will think that you're something that you're not? Wrong motive doesn't work very well. I had a guy one time who had signed up to be baptized here. And like two days before he was supposed to be baptized, he canceled. And one of our guys talked to him and said, hey, what makes you not want to get baptized? He said, I feel like I'm getting baptized because everybody wants me to get baptized. Hey, good for you, man. Good for you. Don't do it. But for the folks who say, I want to be baptized because I know what Jesus has done for me. I want to show everybody that I'm committed to him and I want to follow him. I'm no longer ashamed of being a Christian. Man, good on them. Sign up for discipleship because somebody told you that you should. Probably not a great idea. Signing up for discipleship because you want to know the Lord and grow in your, your love for Jesus. Man, that's a great idea. Motives matter to God. And if you're ever doing something because you think it's going to please the pastor, please don't. Please don't. If you're doing what you're doing because you believe it will please and honor the Lord, please do and do more of it. Our church has general guidelines that we give to our folks that will work in children's ministry and things like that. Kind of a level of expectation we expect them to hit. People that serve in visible aspects of ministry, we have guidelines that they should follow and stuff like that. But our church doesn't have a list of rules that you gotta follow to be a part of our church. We just tell people, act like a Christian. Don't do anything that would hurt the name of Christ. Don't do anything that would cause shame upon the name of our church. Try to be like Jesus, simple as that when we run into giving people a list of rules to follow to be a good Christian, I had uh, some folks we'd taken to lunch uh, several months ago and they said, well, the church we were at before, uh, the pastor actually gave uh, a sermon called Good, Better, and Best. And if you're a good Christian, you'll come on Sunday morning. If you're a better Christian, you'll come on Sunday morning and Sunday night. If you're the best Christian, you'll come on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And I go, stop it. And, no, really, they did. If you're a good Christian man, you'll come to, shirt, to church in a button-up shirt. If you're Good Christian man, button-up shirt. If you're a better Christian man, you'll wear a button-up shirt and a tie. And if you're the best Christian man, button-up tie and a jacket. Hey, great, we can pick out who the good guys are on a Sunday morning, right? How long do you think it would take before people start going to men's warehouse and just buying jackets, right? Isn't that terrible? That's just another form of legalism. Now, should you have standards and guidelines for yourself? Absolutely, I believe that beyond a shadow of a doubt. Should our church carry some measure of holiness and righteousness? No doubt about it, for sure. But needs to make sure that it comes directly from Scripture. And the motive behind it is to please and honor the Lord. You see, legalism prioritizes rules over relationships. This is where the Pharisees got into trouble. <laughs> they prioritized rules over relationships. They thought to themselves, hey, if I do stuff then I don't need a relationship with God. If I do stuff, it takes a place of a relationship with God. That really couldn't be further from the truth. We need to ask ourselves, what can I do? How can I live my life in such a way that pleases and honor the Lord? I said something a few weeks ago and one of our men helped me afterwards. I thought it was outstanding. He brought it to my uh, attention. I'd mentioned in a message that many times as Christians, we say, well, if the, the line is here on sin, I want to find out how close I can be to the line without going over. How close can I get to sin without actually sinning? You know, if we say it's a sin to be drunk, then uh, how close can I get to being drunk before it actually becomes a sin? 
If we say that sex before marriage or being sexual before marriage or even lusting before marriage is a sin, how close can I get to that without actually going over the line? And I said, I want to know how far can I be away from sin, not how close can I get to sin. And he said, he said to me afterwards, he said, be careful with that. He said, because the next logical step is how far away can I be from sin and add extra biblical steps to it because that's what the Pharisees did. They took, don't work on the Sabbath to, well, how much work is work? And let's define how many steps one can take on the Sabbath and whether or not you can do these things on the Sabbath and to add restriction to that. I thought, man, that is outstanding because when I say I want to be as far away from sin as possible, then the question is, well, I'm farther than you. You know, well, you go to Chili's and won't sit at the bar. I won't even go to Chili's because it has the word bar in the name of the restaurant. Okay. Hey, I won't go to a restaurant that serves alcohol. That's my conviction. Hey, if that's your conviction, go for it. I know people before who say, I won't go to sporting events. I won't go to a football game because they serve alcohol there. I won't go to a football game either, but for a totally different set of reasons. Uh, (laughs) But hey, if that's your conviction, I wholeheartedly support you and give you two thumbs up. When you start to say that other people are bad Christians because they go to football games because there's alcohol there, then we have a problem of legalism. Legalism says, follow these rules. Don't follow Jesus, follow the rules. And the idea behind it is that if you follow the rules, you'll find a relationship with Jesus. But it never works that way. We need, again, we need guidelines in our lives. We need guideposts. We need guardrails to keep us from going over into the ditch for sure. We need to find those for ourselves from Scripture and for every person that's going to be different. We need a relationship with Jesus more than we need a list of rules. But here's the caution with that again on the other side of the ditch. We can never excuse our carnality by saying it's not rules, it's a relationship. I've seen people do that before. I've confronted Christians before and someone brought it to my attention that they were drunk on social media. I said to him, hey, brother, I saw what you posted on Facebook, and I think for a Christian, that's not really the way that we should portray ourselves to the unsaved world. He says, I never, I never knew there's a rule to go to this church that you, you couldn't bring. I, that's not what I said. And he's like, brother, it's more about a relationship than it is rules. Hmm, careful with that. When we violate scripture, we've broken a relationship with God. So don't go so far as to say, I don't need rules. I'm just going to focus on the relationship because your relationship will, by nature, create its own list of rules for yourself. Does that make sense? If I really love Jesus, I'm going to have some things that I'm just not going to cross that line. And again, this isn't another type of bondage. This is a type of freedom. Look, when I married my wife, I didn't lament that day that, oh, I'm just going to keep myself for her for the rest of my life. This is the cross that I must bear. No, you know what I said? Praise God, I never have to go on another date with a stranger for the rest of my life. What freedom that brought. What freedom was brought to me knowing that my wife would be home with me every single night for the rest of our lives? That brought freedom. It didn't bring restriction. Well, I guess you can't date other women now. I don't want to date other women. It didn't bring restriction. It brought freedom. And the day that I became part of the bride of Jesus Christ, it brought a freedom to me, not a restriction. 
I don't have to play around with the world anymore. I have everything that I want in Jesus. I don't have to mess around in sin anymore. I've been set free from that. I don't have to be entangled with all the other garbage that the world has because I'm free in Christ. I didn't come to Jesus to now get a different set of rules I gotta follow. I I came to Jesus to find the freedom that my heart longs for. So, be careful if someone tries to put an and I'm going to be clear on this, tries to put an extra biblical yoke on you of guidelines to follow. Hey, if somebody tells you to love your wife the way that Jesus loves, your, loves the church, that's not a, an extra biblical guideline. That's a biblical guideline. Somebody tells you to watch your mouth and not curse, they're not trying to put some bondage on you. They're trying to say, hey, blessings and cursing shouldn't come out of the same mouth. Does a fountain bring forth bitter water and sweet? The answer to that's No. So watch your mouth, Christian. Oh, you're trying to be a legalist. No, I'm trying to help you follow the Bible. Oh, can you believe that jerk we did this? Hey, hey, we don't talk about people like that. Oh, what are you, some type of legalist? No, I'm a biblicist where it says, use your words for the edifying, building up of people, not tearing down. I, uh, we had to go one time. We'd gone to, to Ben and Jerry's for ice cream after a, a church service. And he came up to me afterwards and he says, Pastor, I just want to let you know we don't go to Ben and Jerry's. I said, okay, uh, that's fine. I said, um, honestly, I don't particularly care for what Ben and Jerry stands for as a corporation. I really don't. But I said, the owners of that are people that we're trying to win to Christ. They're Buddhists and their daughter comes to our Wednesday night Bible program. We're just trying to encourage them and show them what Christians look like and get them around Christians. And we're really using it kind of as a gospel opportunity. And he pulls up on his, his phone an app that shows, you can look up any, any corporation and find out what political party they donate to and what bills they sponsor and what political action committees they give to and stuff like that. And he says, well, this right here is the reason why we don't do stuff like that. And I said, okay, because you should download the app. And I go, that's a lot of work and I just, I just really don't want to do that. I don't want to know. Brother, you should do this. I think it'll change the way that you live. And if you're a real Christian, you'll do this. Well, since you showed it to me on your iPhone, it was put together by children in China, and the factory where that iPhone was put together, they had to put safety nets around the building because people were jumping off the roof because of the long hours that they were spending to put together your iPhone. I think you just need to follow Jesus. Again, that, that type of thinking that I'm going to boycott everything is going to have us all growing tomatoes in our, in our windowsills. Really? And again, if you want to do that, I'm for you. Two thumbs up for you. Seriously, if that's the way you want to worship and honor the Lord, I am 100% for you. You just can't put that on me. Don't put it on any other Christians. And again, if you want to share your thoughts, I'm, I'm open to those. I want to receive it. I'm not above correction. But at the end of the day, you can't say that I'm not a good Christian if I don't follow the way that you do things. Does that make sense? So I'm going to leave you with this tonight. Do what you do because you love the Lord. Do what you do because you want to be like Jesus. And if we do those things, we'll be good to go. There's liberty, there's freedom that's found in Christ. It's freedom to follow Jesus at all costs. Most important thing in the world, if you're here tonight, you don't know for sure that you're saved. None of this amounts to a hill of beans unless you know for sure that Jesus Christ is your Savior. There's never been a time, a date, and a place where you put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior. You stand in danger of God's judgment. 
that Jesus died to save you from your sins. He's willing to forgive you of all the wrong that you've done in your life. If you're willing to put your faith and trust in him tonight, you can be saved, saved from God's wrath, saved from God's judgment, saved from hell by your faith in Jesus Christ. You don't know for sure that you're saved. Don't leave here tonight until you know that you do. If you call yourself a child of God, let's live like it this week. Let's live our life in a way that would honor and please him in everything that we do. Thanks for joining us for the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast. We'd love to have you as our guest this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. You'll find exciting classes for your keiki, a welcoming church family, and a message from the Bible that's sure to encourage your heart. Join us this Sunday. You belong here.